Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. Um, it was, uh, as somebody who really gets on really well with solitude, I thought this is going to be great for someone like me and I'm going to make my little stop motion animation, which I, so I've got time to make an animation. I'm going to just use it as a meditation retreat. I had all of these ideas and I now know in retrospect that chemotherapy ravaged my hormones to such a degree um I'm, i've always been sensitive to hormonal changes anyway I've, it's just who i am sure. yeah, horrible horrible pms symptoms and just yeah, i'm just very sensitive to it and so now i had this experience of like it, immediate onset menopause and and just everything that comes with it but my emotional state was hanging by a thread mm. I mean I can hold it together really well when other people are in a room with me but when I was on my own I I really everything just lost its appeal um I had no motivation I had not there was no point to anything it's a very kind of depression type style state of mind that I had sure I, but attributable certainly to that shock to the hormones yeah i mean i'm saying hormones just because it's definitely the uh the major culprit in my life for this kind of thing and i know that not everyone had trouble in isolation like me they, they were happily facetiming their family and mm -hmm. doing lots of things so i was staring at a wall slightly quietly crying just going what is the point of me kind of stuff like that it's like well there's something going wrong in my head but it wasn't all like that all the time it sure. was just things like that stuck out to me because it was so unusual to the way I usually am um so I was a bit disappointed that isolation wasn't the wonderfully exciting creative space workshop enlightenment palace I hoped it would be um, but it I, was in a different way, it sounds like, though. I mean, if you spent a lot of time, even in that contemplative state, mm. going places might, you've never necessarily been before, it gives you a good taste of why you don't want to stay in those places, right? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was coming in and out of them. And I made them myself some like new rules about, okay, this is what my day looks like now. This is so I, I immediately kind of went, this, this can't carry on. So this is like really simple stuff, like make sure my coffee pot is ready and washed for the morning when I want to make a coffee. First thing I do when I get up in the morning, pull up the blinds. We cannot live in a world of wintry darkness mm. and feel better. Um, and just finding really gentle ways to entertain myself. Um, it, it definitely worked out just fine but it was my lowest point, I think, and not something I had expected. 
and definitely not something that anyone would necessarily expect for themselves. I think a lot of it is just me. Um, and oh, one thing that happened to me, yeah, that was kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. It was like a complication, but in a like I wasn't frightened. It was a complication because I had a neutropenic fever. Mm. And suddenly it was, you know, you get your observations checked all the time anyway. And I uh, had a little check by a couple of the nurses and suddenly there was kind of quite some rapid discussion in Russian, walking out, coming back in again and being like, okay, you're in, you're in a, who have a fever. Um, and they immediately did what they needed to do cannot tell you off the top of my head what they needed to do but they did it and they're like no you this is all good it's fine um and then I just like went to sleep later and in my sleep I had these really interesting hallucinatory like fever dreams Mm. um it was fascinating and I was I'm saying hallucinating in my dreams, I was guess I was hallucinating because I started to feel bits of pain in my body. And I decided in my completely understandable fever head, like, oh, this is just part of me getting better from my neutropenic fever. Nice. And I had pretended in my head that one of the nurses had put a green streamer up my left leg and that was somehow helping my healing. I mean, it was bonkers. <laughs> and that was because I was feeling pain up at that side of my leg. I was mm. like, no, no, no. This is all part of the process. And it was only when I was starting to make noises like a wounded animal, just going, <laughs> and I just thought, you know, I think I should press the bell and said to one of the nurses who came in and went, I'm in agony. She went, oh, okay. And immediately they were gave me the most interesting painkiller that I've ever seen in my life. Um, which looked to me like a little black spider being put on the back of my hand. And this is a thing. I looked it up afterwards going, what was that spider from Mars that was put on my hand? And it got rid of all of the pain. It it wasn't left on there. Again, very disappointed. I didn't grab a picture of it, but I was in no fit state. No, Um, but that's fascinating. I've never heard of such a thing. It's so weird. And the picture that... The um, medical explanation of it, which I found online, does show a little, the little spidery shape thing, but I don't really know what it did. But that got rid of all of my pain, and then I just went to sleep. And then the mm. next day, Dr. Federenko came in and said, oh, yeah, you've, uh, you had bone pain. That was because of your neutropenic state, and you had bone pain. I was like, oh, my God, I don't ever want bone pain again. It was really painful. But again, I would not have needed to experience that pain if I hadn't been having such a bonkers dream about how all of my pain had a purpose and the pain was me getting better. Sure. Well, and you were probably having Nubigen shots again at that point after you get your stem cells back because they want to continue the process of moving more stem cells out of your bone marrow. And maybe you didn't realize it. I don't know if that's part of the protocol in Russia, but it is. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. They may well have been doing that. Um, but yeah, so that was that was my that was my exciting moment. Is a real thing. It is mm. can be excruciating. It got to a quite high level of pain before I pressed the bell. Yeah. So my tip 
my tip to anyone listening to this is be a prompt bell presser <laughs> and you won't have to deal with the pain. Yeah. But if you, in your fevered state, somehow think it's part of something that you need to go through, then do that. But generally don't just press the bell and say, I'm in pain and then they'll get the spider out and then they'll sort it all out. Because Amazing. ultimately relieving that pain helps your body do the work of fighting the fever more easily yeah. than fighting the fever and the pain. Yeah. I did use it before the, I went to bed the next night. I kind of uh, used it as a, as a reason to say, can you give me some preemptive painkillers? <laughs> because I don't want to have bone pain again. And, and the part of me thought I could really do with a really good night's sleep as well. So maybe if I get some nice, sleepy, lovely painkillers, um, you know, <laughs> they were they were basically very accommodating good, to make good. you comfortable. Um, and so I I would say I was thinking about or I was gonna my, a, I was gonna ask yes. you about a memorable experience that you had. Are any of these your most memorable, or is there something else? That I would out? say that my my um, panic attack was my most probably sure. one of my most memorable experiences. Um, I have, will have many more, but I think it's because it's just, I think meeting the people that I met there that, you know, I'm still in contact with, um, and just learning about them and their journeys. I mean, the difference between us was huge. Like there was one lovely person there. She was like, uh, 31 and she was disability level score was a one mm. um and I was so happy for her that she was having HSCT I'm like this is just what definitely what should happen or should be there so people don't have to experience the intense difficulty that disability brings mm. um so I, I had a, some really lots of lovely memorable events um meeting some incredibly fun people other patients there but if someone said very without me knowing What's your most memorable thing about Moscow? It would be, oh, yeah, it's that thing I had put in my neck. <laughs> um, but I don't want to be horribly, I feel very um, responsible for not making anyone else feel anxious just because I had a panic attack. I would say, though, the minute you start to feel, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this now, even if it's five minutes before, say something. for a preemptive sedative yeah. and they will happily give it to you. Right. It's just, it's like I just didn't know. I was just like, oh, no, deal with it. Deal with it. It's fine. Just, just breathe. You'll be fine. And then my body took over and said, no, you're Shipped not fine. Otherwise. Sure. But that's such great advice, right? That it's okay to ask for help and anticipate that you may need it. Yeah. And yeah. to speak up before it is needed so that everyone has an easier time. Uh, yeah, it is. And it, it's not the, and seriously, everybody else who I was in treatment with about the vascular catheter placement, they were so like dismissive of it. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Mm. So I think I was a, a bit of a case in point and it's like not a horrible, awful, gruesome, terrible thing. No. It's just my body decided to react in a certain way. Sure. By imagining it was being killed. Probably. It happens. It happens. <laughs> And it's okay yeah. that it happened. 
And so you made it through isolation. Okay. Like what was it like to be, to go through the discharge process and how did you even, what was it like getting home that were well, you nervous about your flight and travel? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I had a lovely discharge process and I had a really great meeting with Dr. Fedorenko and I had just felt left me feeling really pleased and like it's a really nice way to wrap it up. Um, and after I had isolation, I had loads of stuff I needed to organise to get back into the UK with COVID restrictions. And that was almost like a whole day of frustrating wrangling with UK government websites. And that was on my birthday, my actual birthday. I was oh, just I'm like, so sorry. Oh, this is a rubbish birthday. But then um, the next day, Dr. Fedorenko gave me, gave me a book which everyone had signed because it was it was my birthday present. And I was Aww. so shocked. I was going, I didn't even know you'd even know. He's like, of course we know. And um, there's a really nice book about Moscow, which just, I'm very excited because when I do go back and visit again, it's just like an, a beautiful book that just makes me go, I want to go there and I want to go there and there and there. Um, so saying goodbye before I left and the discharge process was really, really nice. But leaving actually leaving the hospital was quite traumatic and it was nobody's fault I mean part of it was my level of crazy which the hormones madness was still doing its work um but I had to get up and leave I had to literally leave the hospital at 5 a.m to get me to the so I couldn't say I couldn't have closure and like if I kept with living in the afternoon, I would have gone around and seen everyone sure. and I would have had a nice hug with everyone. And I would have seen my, the lovely nurses, some of whom I really got on very well with. Um, and I just wanted to be like doing a huge thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, I wrote hand wrote a letter in Russian. <laughs> that would have been the, the most hilarious handwriting that a Russian person reading that note would be like, oh, this is like a five-year-old wrote this letter. I'm sure they treasure it, though. Well, I don't know. I think in a way, I think it got cleared away before anyone particularly saw it. And mm. um, and so I wrote this letter and just to say, this is amazing. You are amazing. I will remember you forever. It's like a really heartfelt. Um, and, uh, and I made myself get up at 3 a.m., to make sure I had my stuff together because I was so more physically disabled by the end of my treatment than I have ever been in my whole life. Mm. So it was a big deal trying to sort my stuff out. I found it hard to even like dress myself and do the most simple things. And so I thought, okay, if I get up at three, I will be able to have most of this ready before the nurses come in. So it's just ready to go. And then there were two nurses came in at five. No, no, God, I'm getting my timeline all wrong. I had to leave at five. So the nurses came in at about four to start helping me put things away. And help is good. But when you are very particular about what you need to fly home and you're like, no, I, oh God, I'm like, no, that when that goes in this bag. And I felt I started to feel like a, like I was being annoying, which was a terrible thing. When I was leaving Russia, I did have these ridiculous thoughts in my head that probably all the nurses hated me. And I mean, how insane is that? Right. They 
never in a million years would that be the case. And I was not a difficult patient. If anything, I was over the top thanking people all the time. Um, but leaving was hard. And when I got to, I felt like I hadn't had proper closure and I was just had this chemotherapy mangled mind and I didn't feel right. And so I'd get a plane. Everything in terms of me traveling on planes to and from Russia was just brilliant. As soon as you get disability help involved in airports, it's like mm. that stress is just taken away. Sure. So that wasn't a problem. And I was happy that I could get a four-hour flight directly back to the UK afterwards. Yes. yes. Uh, so you didn't have to go through Istanbul. No, which would have been fine. I mean, it's a way to a means, isn't it? And uh, But I, yeah, God, a four-hour flight is just luxury mm. to Russia. Um, but when I got on the flight, there was just one incident where I couldn't get my rucksack bag underneath the seat in front well enough. And that apparently, uh, my appropriate response there was to immediately start crying and pretty much not quite be able to stop for the whole flight on the way home. Oh. I was only quietly crying. And I I just felt like a weird alien because I had no hair. I had my little, I had a hat thing on but that didn't feel right either I didn't feel like I looked like myself I was just feeling very wrung out highly emotional uh thinking I would have been a bad person in Russia um and this lovely lovely cabin crew who was there to look after my bit of the plane she was very concerned about me <laughs> I was a weird crying person on the plane and uh she kept on giving me things so cute she came up and she gave me like a little aeroflot chocolate um and then she gave me a bottle of water and then the word got out with the people handing out snacks and things is that i liked black coffee so i kept on getting given black coffees so like, <laughs> oh, thank you um but yeah it was a weird flight home i am very much looking forward to when i go back to russia which will now be next year it was going to be this year but it would be now be next year um, to not only see Dr. Fedorenko and all of the nurses and everyone again and not have a chemotherapy crazy mind, mm. um, but also see Russia and do all of the things I didn't get to do. Sure. Yeah. So, so you get home and how's recovery been going? Well, it's been a year now, but yes. how was it those first few months of neutropenia? Well, first three weeks were out of this world difficult. Um, I was very happy to be back. I had to obviously had to quarantine for 10 days because that's mm. what you had to do in the UK. So I thought, right, first night I'm going to go back to my home so I can see my animals and just throw my arms around them. I was very worried my Labrador Holly uh, a couple of times I was in Russia, there was a possibility she might have to be put to sleep so I was having oh. to really really come to terms with that while I was in Russia but my husband Kieran kept her going and managed to get her eating and it so she had really uh was really much better when I came back Good. just to see the animals I was like oh my god I love you eat some of Kieran's food and then mm. immediately drive to London to stay with my mum for 10 days and I had no idea I would be this physically enfeebled it was a very much a shock. Um, I had to buy a special walking frame for the house because if I didn't have a frame, 
I would basically have to crawl. I mean, mm. my balance was out of this world bad and my balance is not good normally. Um, so I had to buy a walking frame thing. I had to post a COVID test, obviously. Mm. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna use a rollator and I'm going to walk to the post box and then I'm going to walk back. I'm going to start my rehab really, really well. Um, and I started that and then I got two doors down from what my mum's house is and I had to slowly crumple to the floor because mm. I couldn't do it I couldn't do it it's a very strange feeling but my body lost all power mm. I didn't collapse and fall but I was just like oh no 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 I have to concertina down to the ground now and then I had to call my mum just going mum I can't do it and she brought my wheelchair out so I had to oh, get in my wheelchair and then find your way, way in yeah and, and just had to get down to the post office and come back again but that was a real wake-up call it's like that was about 20 meters and I couldn't walk any further so what was interesting and yes I did have difficulties physically and I was dealing with um more physical difficulty and need to get help which I unfortunately I find very difficult mm. I don't like it at all um but I uh I did see myself even by the end of the 10 days that I was at my mum's house I could walk almost to the end of the road and then back oh. again you know it's very quickly day by day it was improving but it was improving in a landscape of things being very difficult sure. um and so I yeah I went home and I would say my first three months were very difficult, but I didn't, because Dr. Fedorenko does such a good job, especially in your discharge conversation, he says, oh, you know, first three months, it is a reduced quality of life. So chemotherapy related, reduced quality of life, and you're not expected to feel good during right. this time. Right. Um, and so I, I just remembered that. It's like, no, I'm not meant to feel good right now. Um, my emotional stuff didn't help. The fact that I was highly reactive emotionally because of this, all this hormone stuff, I think, sure. um, made that harder. And that was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, so I, uh, once I, um, once I was kind of back home again and I got back to the UK on the 13th of April and I decided to start work again at the, in the middle of May, um, just because I needed to normalize my life a bit and I work from home. So it was fine. And uh, I was only given very easy stuff to do, but it kind of helped me to try and become a bit more normal again. And that's when I started working properly with my neurophysio. Mm. Probably, probably just before the three month mark was done, but I was at a very, very low level of strength when I saw her. Sure. And so I had a conversation with her um, just before my stem cell birthday. And she said, oh, so how do you think it's gone over the last year? And I was like, can't ask me that because I'm in the trenches of having to live with a disability, which is a challenge. You know, I said, tell yeah. me what you think. Tell me what you think, because your opinion is very valuable. And she said, OK, for the first three months, you were so weak and you were so low down on your ability to really do anything and she says from that point until now your strength has been growing exponentially and every 
week that I see you, you're better than you were before. And I need to hear that from her because there is a lot of, my major pain points disability wise is my balance um, and certain muscles in my legs make it quite hard to lift my legs. I mean, if I could sort both of those things out, I would be, I don't know how far down my disability score would dwindle, but it would be life changing. So right now I'm kind of believe what she's saying and I do everything that she suggests and that is how it's going. I feel very positive about it. I do CrossFit twice a week, which I basically use like rehab. I don't, I choose what I do at my CrossFit gym and I do it with my physio. I just say, look, what do you think's best for me to do? And then I go to my CrossFit gym and use all of their amazing equipment. So I treat it like rehab and it's, things are going good. I did have to, over the last year, I've had to spend a lot of time picking up the hormonal pieces off the ground Mm. for me. It was bad for a little while when I had actually realized I had gone into menopause, which wasn't immediately, but once I realized that I had, and I had had a little bit of Band-Aid style HRT treatment for my GP, Mm. um, I wasn't doing well. I had horrible horrible depression just just because of menopause style depression um and I did a very good thing for myself and I got a private women's health GP um and so I've been working with her and I've got some much much better HRT for me I feel very safe with it's not quite there yet it needs some tweaking but I'm that was my other hill to climb that I didn't necessarily expect sure would be quite as tricky as it is but it's uh, on it's on it's, it's on the way to not being a so much of a problem good um and uh so i'm trying to think oh yeah this is good i bought a rollator all of this disability equipment stuff i've just been so resistant to all my life mm-hmm. but at the moment i have two hiking poles where i get to my car with i have a wheelchair that i use at work and I have a very large kind of rollator outdoorsy one that I used to walk, walk my dog with. Um, and uh, now I've bought myself a carbon fiber rollator by Byacre. And I looked at their site and I thought, okay, out of all the rollators that I could get, this is the most acceptable. <laughs> no one really wants to have walkers and rollators and things, right. but I thought, I can get on with this. This is okay. And so now I have that in my arsenal. Um, I, I'm only using the wheelchair at work. Um, I don't really work in the office very much. So um, I would say I use my wheelchair 80% less of the time now. It's oh, because um, wow. I have other options. Walking is very challenging. Um, like I can't walk further than 20 meters without having to stop, regardless of what I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um and that's because my muscles, my walking muscles are so underused and have been for a long time because walking was so stressful and still is stressful. But now I know I have to walk to start building up those muscles and it will improve things. I don't like walking. It's probably the hardest a bit of advice my physio gave me. She was like, oh, no, you really need you really need to start walking now. So it's like, oh, God, I want to walk. It's like horrible. And I feel never feel safe. I went ahead and bought myself a, a treadmill for mm-hmm. my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
very, very big thing to have in your house. <laughs> but I bought myself a treadmill because I didn't want to walk outside. Right. Um, and it's good, you know, I can walk further on a treadmill in that very um, controlled environment. Yes, but same. I don't know what, yeah. like, but maybe because you do feel safe and you're in yeah. just your treadmill mode and there's no distraction, yeah. there's no noise, there's no people to navigate. It's, um, yeah, I feel good when I walk on my treadmill too. Yeah, it's really, um, really useful. It makes me feel very happy that I kind of invested in it. And so I feel like I've got a really nice physio setup right now. And I've got a physio who really knows her stuff and Good. will always be very honest with me. And right now, the things she's saying to me are overwhelmingly positive. She's like, have you stopped your, you've halted the MS. Mm. If now we're just building on your muscle strength, then that your this future is very bright. Aww. And of course, I know it's really amazing to hear. And I hang on to that on days when I just get frustrated because I can't even walk across a room without holding onto furniture and walls. Mm. And I get, I'm just like, oh God, I'm waiting, waiting balance to get better. And I, balance is such a, it's such a, almost feels intangible balance. It's like, I don't know what to do, but she's telling me all the exercises I need to do. And I am just like a, a very good client. I'm doing everything that she says. Well, in neuroplasticity, right? We believe in that. And, and I think yeah. it takes a long time. Yeah. Right. It's, you can practice all you want, but you can't force your brain to heal the lesion that causes the imbalance. Absolutely. And, um, so patience is a virtue. You, oh goodness me, patience. It's like, uh, it's, it will, I feel very positive about my future. I'm always at the moment, my, my real kind of, my real kind of why about wanting to work as hard as I do, apart from the obvious of like, I don't want to have this degree of disability anymore, but my real wish is that I would like to get another dog because my beautiful, beautiful Holly, my baby Holly, um, died in November. Mm. She was nearly 16 years old. She was, did so well. I loved her so much. And I am telling myself that I cannot get another dog until walking isn't the hideous nightmare that it feels like it is now. Sure. So I'm like, no, I'm walking because I need it to, I don't mind walking being slow, I don't mind walking being many things, but I don't want to be anxious when I'm walking and mm. walking a dog. Um, and I also want to, my dog to be an assistance dog. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to need to, I will be needing to get a puppy, which terrifies me. Um, and, uh, and then own a train with the help of a very skillful assistance dog trainer in my local area. Um, but that's the reason when I'm lifting weights at CrossFit, when I'm doing things, when I think about dogs, dogs it actually makes me stronger it's really mm. weird because I just want a dog so like I don't mind boiling it down to that um to that real need I have to sure well it's whatever have... you can find to help motivate you right because sometimes yeah. it's not always the intrinsic that motivates us no and I you know I'm so proud I'm so happy that Holly Holly stayed alive for me and she was there when I got back and I got to mm. give her a great big cuddle and, and she died, you know, six months later after I got home, but I got, had all that time with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. She is a, she's a very real sweetheart. And uh, so, yeah, it was good that I bought the role later and I, 
I've decided that Dr. Fedorenko, I'm putting myself unofficially under his care. Mm. So he doesn't know that I'm <laughs> making this decision. I would have been going back this year, like I said, to have an MRI scan and all of that, but things are going with Russia and it's a little bit harder. So I'm definitely going to go next year. And the good side of that is that I'm going to be an extra year's worth of better. Mm. So, I mean, I already now there's already a difference. So I would be walking into see Dr. Federenko in his office rather than using a wheelchair to go in. Yeah. Hopefully. It's so amazing. And, um, and it's, uh, so I do feel happy in the idea of going to see him every two years or so, because Russia is not very far away from here. Um, And also I feel that even though I have the strongest faith in HSCT and obviously my work with Honor Crumb as well Mm. gives me a great sense of like getting across lots of uh, issues that might or might not come up health-wise. It's just, let's just make me as good as I can be right now. Sure. Um, But I think I just want to be under the eye of Dr. Fedorenko and one, and I think he would be very happy to do that as well. That's a bit the impression I've been given that he likes to see former patients. Um, If I was ever to receive any uh, not news that isn't exactly what I want to hear, then I would be wanting to hear that from Dr. Fedorenko and no one else, or I'd need to get his opinion on things. Sure. Um, And so it makes me feel just safe, a little less anxious around all of this. If I know that I can, I can see him and have access to his huge amount of experience but not that I'm thinking that way. It's just uh, in the back of my head, you know, it's always slightly there. I think it is. At least for me, it is always that question. And then I check myself and remind myself of how far I have come. But yeah, it's hard to, yeah, you, you don't want to take it for granted, right? It's such a big deal to go through it. And yeah. so transformational. And then you don't want to lose the new immune system. To disease, no, know what it's like to be in that ruin, yeah, yes, for sure. Um, and again, that's why you know, I was so, so very, very lucky to meet my new friend who, mm. like an absolute rock star, just went, Yep, yeah, I'm just having it done again, sure, because I believe in the treatment, yeah. I believe in the treatment, and I. I had it done somewhere else before and I really believe in this protocol and this doctor. And it was just such a, it was such a, an unhysterical decision. It's like, yep. No, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure they weren't like all really happy when they found out that they had had a relapse, but I'm sure they were very distressed, but it's the absolute certainty of this treatment. And yeah, I found that, that I was very lucky to meet them. Sure. Well, because... it makes so much logical sense. Yeah. In, in my mind, you know, the HSCT, just the whole procedure and eradicating those cells that carry the negative mm-hmm. messaging of yeah. autoimmune disease and, and then refreshing the whole, yeah. the whole system with fresh cells that don't have that messaging. It's unfortunate when people relapse. And I wonder, I feel like there needs to be more study scientific study of oh yeah post transplant right what are those triggers for relapse post hsct i'd really love to know more about those factors i mean surely they're different and individual for everyone but it'd be neat yeah. to just learn more and research those 
maybe one day <laughs> that would be <laughs> right? that will actually happen it's maybe. uh yeah it's fascinating but really my experience in Russia was I'm so so happy that I went there um I'm I have complete faith in that hospital Dr Fedorenko and everyone there was incredible I just I loved them all I've had so much love in my heart but in the, the cleaners that would come into my room actually I don't think she's quite a cleaner pretty sure I had a job in a hospital once which was kind of like hers as well where you do you're like supporting the nursing staff mm. rather than just sure. like you're not a cleaner cleaning is one of the things that you do sure. otherwise you're kind of so we couldn't speak the same language but we really really bonded over my animal photographs mm-hmm. and then she was showing me her animals and we were having these really clunky excitable conversations on google translate desperately wanting to connect as friends sure. being like we we only have these phones we could talk through um but just there were so many characters like that of staff members at the hospital and the lady that used to bring me in my food which was very nice the food in russia comes in for a lot of stick but i found it very interesting <laughs> and uh the russian food and the the they've made incredible soups and amazing tasting sauces to go with pasta and and yes everything's bland because it has to be because of like the chemotherapy thing but you just take your own seasonings and stuff and I thought it was gorgeous I got to have these very just weird to me anyway weird Russian fairies and like I just loved it I ate everything they gave me Mm. and the lady that used to bring in my food she didn't she just used to come in happy to see that I'd eaten all my food mm. came in happily happily chatting in Russian and I'd just be going spasiba, spasiba. Mm. I used to just say thank you to everyone all the time and it was just yeah it, it, I don't know I just feel like I need to say that what an amazing experience it was and the treatment was expertly carried out and I'm looking forward to going back mm. uh, it's my my um, recovery is going well I didn't get a magical rollback of symptoms no but I'm, it's rare I'm, I think I think it's more rare than I necessarily thought it would or be at least because... for those of us who have had MS longer right or, or had those symptoms yes. for a longer period of time maybe the rollback happens if you get to HSCT more quickly after diagnosis but yeah having lived with it for 19 years prior to yeah halting the progression it, it's kind of a I can kind of um easily get on board with the idea of HSCT did this amazing thing mm-hmm. it's halted the progression and now this ball is in my court and because Dr Fedorenko says it's like a three-pillared process it's good food good mood and exercise and that's really good food that's I'm I do as well as I possibly can be with my food good mood I know what he means by that which is sure. just a, having a positive um belief in the treatment that had that it has worked mm-hmm. and and then exercise and my life is exercise now I do it every day and it feels good it mm-hmm. feels like I have an element of something that I can do to help me go up in the right direction rather than feeling like I was circling the drain to be honest at one point sure. well and so counter to your former superpower the last we talked, right, of doing nothing. Mm, yeah. How about a superpower that you've gained now that you've been through HSCT? Yes, mm. uh, might almost be something you need to help me with because I'm my superpower since I had HSCT. I mean, now I am just like 
I'm like a physio warrior now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like a exercise. This is how I do every day. I don't miss it. I it's like a complete part of my life now. Um, and I mean, of course, an obvious answer and a good answer as well would be like, oh, my superpower is patience. But mm. I'm not sure I have that superpower. I don't think I have the superpower of patience. I, I think I fall very short of that superpower. But I do not fall short in um, the determination to just work hard. It's almost like the opposite of do nothing. It's now do everything. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's I don't know quite how to frame it. So I feel... No one who donated me money to get to Russia would, I would always think they would not be disappointed in how I've taken forward the gift that they gave me. Mm. It's like, you helped me get there. And now I absolutely know the meaning of work. And I completely invested in, with Arna's help, looking at my my body inside and out, doing all the things I need to do, taking all the supplements she suggests, taking all the medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms to help my neurotropic growth factor. I think that's what it's <laughs> yeah. called. Yeah, um, I think that's it. Um, neuroplasticity and uh, getting up very early in the morning to get to CrossFit before work. You know, all of this stuff I've kind of created into a big, big old re like rehabilitation schedule which I'm happy to do because being able to do something is a thousand times better than not being able to do anything. Um, so this is, this is a, a not good in terms of telling you a superpower. What can you glean from that narrative answer? <laughs> well, it's that, I think the tenacity, right. Of finding that strength to power through and shift from doing nothing and really embracing doing so much more in order to yeah. re regain all that was stolen from you by the disease. Yeah. I think that's, that's, then I'll go with what you say with that then, because I, yeah, cause I, I'm certainly not doing everything and I make a lot of effort to slow down. Uh, Anna said it really well to me, actually. I was saying, Anna, I feel like I just, I'm getting a feeling right now that I just want to cancel everything. Like I've just been starting to see friends after work and actually it really exhausts me. And she said, look, you look at what your body's been through. She mm -hmm. said, you're only a year out. You're basically yeah. still a baby in terms of this. And she went, imagine you're traveling at, uh, in your car at 20 miles an hour and you're trying to join a freeway. She's like, this is not something that you can do. And you, it was a really nice way to describe it to me. I was just like, you're right. I am. I still need to go slow. Uh, again, this has nothing to do with a superpower. Yeah, but it, I <laughs> but mean, it just... takes that patience and commitment and tenacity, yeah. right? To really yeah. push through. Yeah. Okay, I like that. <laughs> tenacity. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I mean, I like the, I like, I, I did love my do nothing superpower that amused me so much, but now it's just and like, it served you, know, you at that time. Yeah, it did. And then everything came my way that I needed it to without any help from me. Um, but now it's very much the opposite. If I want anything to come to me I now work for it. Yeah. Um, and isn't and it brilliant that, to be able to? Yes, it feels great. And yeah. I just... And I like exercise, so that's handy that I do actually like exercise, sure. I think. 
be rubbish for someone who didn't. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's good. It feels very very positive. Wonderful. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about gratitude already, but is there anything you're grateful for about your experience that has gone unspoken? Hmm. Uh, you know, that's interesting because I am a bit of a, I just like splurge gratitude Yeah. At, all the time. I try to lead In, with gratitude. Yeah, I'm really just like, thank you so much. I'm just, that's when I, I looked back at my video uh, to go on my YouTube channel, I looked at the video, yeah, the, when I was talking to Dr. Fedorenko, when I was having my stem cell transplantation, I was just going, thank you so much. And I was listening back to my own voice, whimpering, thank you so much. And I was like, God, but that's kind of what I do. I am a thank you so much type person. I, I, do you know what? I really do not know whether any of my gratitude has gone unspoken I think everything to do with my treatment there and the positivity that I felt around everybody that was there and then coming out and working with the amazing people that I work with to help me recover from this. Um, I, I don't think it's unspoken at all. So no, nothing has gone unspoken. Beautiful. That's and fulfilling, I'm happy, right? happy about that. Yeah, it's something to be proud of, I think. That yeah. You can exude so much gratitude. Yeah, I can. Yeah, no, things are good. Things That's are a good. good thing. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, yes, one thing, my stem cell birthday. I just did want to tell you about it. For your one year? Yeah, it's like a, I had all plans to go to London and see my sister. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this big thing. And then the night before, I was like, why am I stressing myself out by having to get mm. on a train to go to London and wear myself out just at the point where I'm thinking I need to start cancelling things and so I on the morning of that I went to my CrossFit class which because of the time difference between Moscow and the UK actually meant that at the exact time I was having my stem cells back this year I was exercising right. and I thought this would this would make Dr Federenko so please yeah um so I did that and then went uh, walk to walk to a really nice place in the country near where I live. Uh, very short walk. Very, very short walk. Again, just a bit of uh, an opportunity to do something that I wasn't able to do last year or even mm. before before I had HSCT um, with this new rollator and to experience that. I think that's a significant thing I'd like to do every stem cell birthday, just do something that I hadn't done before mm, I or wasn't that. able to do before. And then um, and also get a little bit of filming of me walking. Mm. So it can go in my one year post update YouTube video, yes. which I think is so, so important. And when I watched other people's YouTube videos, it was always, I have to say, their post treatment updates that I found I was more interested in than the treatment it's like I kind of know what the treatment is now but sure. I want to know how has this worked for you and so I'm trying to commit to doing regular-ish post-treatment updates just to just for the help of anyone else who ever might bump into these videos sure. and just see so I got to do a little bit of filming of me doddering along with my lovely relator and then just came back and drank tea and watched a film and that felt perfect good for my stem cell birthday sure. yeah I liked it well slowing down yeah. really embracing where you are right yeah. now with everything and that's so important because 
Yeah. When you strive to be something that you're not, there's just always going to be strife. Oh yeah. And I, I'm quite enjoying canceling lots of things as well. It's just like, I can be boundaries. I can do. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't run at the same speed that I used to be before. I did no. This. No. Um, and uh, well, you could, if you, if you sat back down in your wheelchair, right. But you're trying to yeah. transition yeah. away and, and find new and build new strength. And that's, so commendable yeah. and admirable yeah. and an inspiration. Well, it's the strength of the treadmill in the house <laughs> making me feel I can walk as long as I'm listening to some music and holding on to the treadmill. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah, that, yeah. I yeah. wish it could translate off the treadmill more easily. Um, yeah. But it's good that we can do it. Yeah, definitely. It's all good. It all adds up to walking outside, eventually being slightly better bit by bit by bit and my improvements have been so like I haven't been able to notice them myself but my physio when she sees me she's like oh my god you're so much different and so I just have to remember what she's saying and and just like I say do what do the things that she advises and hand up hand up the control in that area just going you tell me what to do and uh I believe you stay committed yeah so yeah. Kudos to you for staying committed and yeah. finding that tenacity. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So nice to talk to you afterwards. I knew that it's I always so good to connect with you. Yeah. I would never have been able to have a conversation like this three months after I had come back. I know some of your podcast interviewees, yes. they're incredible. Right. It's like, Oh God, you had your treatment two months ago and you're, you're able to talk about it in such an amazing way. I was almost curled up in a ball two months after I got back. Sure. It would have been, I would have been paddling very, very hard to be as positive as I am now, even though I was I'm always positive about the treatment always, but the sure. fallouts from the treatment, I was in the middle of the terrible fallouts and it would have been uh, different. So I'm so glad I get to see you a year after I had yes. Uh, treatment. And maybe we'll um, connect again next year after you get back from Russia and the good news that yes continued to oh, be halted. I'd love to do that after yeah. that would be a good time to do it after I get back from Russia and reconnect with everyone there and have my MRI scan and yeah that will be really fun and I hope to be even stronger and better then. Indeed, yeah. And so may you continue in your health yeah. and wellness and strengthening and positivity. And all good things that Jocelyn puts forth in the world. It's always <laughs> such a pleasure to connect with you. Oh, thank you so much. You too as well. You do a wonderful thing with this podcast. So oh, I look forward you. to listening to the rest of this lovely season that you're creating. Indeed. Um, thank you. Yeah. Lovely. I'm super grateful to everyone willing to share their story. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. 
It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.